Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Welcome uh, to the Michael Dukes Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Good morning, and how are you? Election day. Oh, election day. Yeah, baby. This is the day where all of our dreams come true. (laughs) Or something like that. (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Exactly what is going on, but uh, today is the day, election day, and uh, I knew I should have voted early. I knew I should have voted early. Um, All right, good morning, and how are you? Are you guys ready to uh, dive into it and and, uh, give a talk about all the different stuff that's happening? Today is the day. Today is the day where all the madness from the last... I guess year, year and a half, all comes to a head. And of course, it's unfortunate. But even after today, we won't know in many cases what the true uh, answers are for another 300 hours. Yeah, uh, it's going to be two full weeks, I think, before some of this stuff uh, comes down. And uh, we're going to see... We're, we're, then we're then we're going to have the answer. Um, with the ranked choice voting, of course, uh, they're going to have to wait for all of the absentee and uh, uh, I guess absentee ballots. Sorry, uh, there is no vote by mail, but all the absentee ballots will have to come in, and uh, <clears throat> they're gonna they're gonna do their thing. Um, so it will probably be sometime after Thanksgiving. Uh, that we will uh, have an have a real answer, so we'll be in limbo for the next couple weeks, which interesting, interesting to say the least. Well, my friends, um, what uh, what is what is going on in your world? Tell me what's happening. Um, I apologize. I'm a little uh, I'm a little punchy this morning. I'm not feeling very good. A little under the weather and uh, trying to um, trying to tell all you guys all the good stuff that's happening. And I can't hardly spell my own name this morning. So I will tell you that we're going to be talking with um, uh, we're going to be talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be joining us here in just a moment, and. Uh, <clears throat> We're going to be talking with him about his weekly top three. Those big three things include his fear about this election and conclusion about this election. Also, the question is uh, the lame duck <clears throat> and the legacy of Mike Dunleavy or Lisa Burkowski's seat. And then finally, 
he'll uh, ask the question about uh, is the Alaska LNG project really any closer um, at this time. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what comes out of that uh, here this morning with Brad, and uh, <clears throat> then we'll be uh, talking with Chris Story, um, uh, the man from Homer, who's going to come in an hour two, and he's going to share his thoughts with us um, about the. Uh, it was the phrase that I got from Rob Myers the other day. Rob Myers posted it in the chat room, and I said, "Wow." Um, that was pretty deep. So I posed it to Chris story and we'll get his take on it. And the phrase was politics has become a religion. That's why all the elections look like a holy war. And I mean, that's exactly right. The divisiveness, the, uh, the, the polarization is just, it's tough right now. It's absolutely tough. Um, so, uh, we'll get Chris story's take on that and anything else that they've got. um, anything else that, that we've got going on there. Uh, let's see some of the things politics is so polarized. The schools are closed today over safety concerns for the kids. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Um, but in Anchorage, they decided to make the kids stay home on election day. They're calling it an asynchronous learning day, which means the students won't be in class and hand, instead have, um, planned activities that uh, have been set by their teachers for them to do on their own time or in their own way. Um, but the school district really wouldn't answer as to why they decided to do an asynchronous learning day today. When pressed, <clears throat> this is from the article in the ADN uh, with Morgan Krakow, uh, when pressed in recent days, school district and election officials provided a series of explanations for why Anchorage students won't be in school on election day. Among them, It's a way to reduce congestion in polling places, uh, community concerns over student safety because many Anchorage voting sites are at elementary schools and open to the public. I mean, when did we start? And also COVID-19 concerns that originated in 2020. So those are all the reasons. The community concerns over student safety, I just, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, back in, this is kind of a bleed over from 2020 when Dina Bishop was there. She created a asynchronous learning day, but at the time it fell, the August 18th election fell outside uh, of 2020, the primary, fell outside of the first school day, which was the 20th of August. So it really never became like a public thing. But I thought it was interesting that um, during that time, uh, Dina Bishop brought up the um, uh, brought up the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. Uh, Bishop said uh, we shouldn't have kids in schools because we need to keep them safe during election season. I I don't know. I I just I just don't know. Um, I guess I have no dog in this fight because none of my kids go to public school or went to public school. And so I guess I don't have a, I mean, I would think that you would want them to see the democratic, you know, the democracy process, the democracy part of our republic, where we all sit down and have a representational vote. You, you'd think you'd want them to see that in person. You'd think you'd want them to be able to watch that and see it and understand it. But apparently it's too dangerous for everybody. 
that COVID is the thing or the, the a school shooting could occur or congestion or I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is weird. I think this is the only school district in the whole state that's doing this. I haven't heard of any other school districts. If there's somebody in the chat room um, that uh, that knows of another school district that's doing this, I uh, sound off there and let me know. But I I haven't heard a thing about it. Uh, this is the first time that I'd heard that it's going on right here. It's just it's just weird. I also wanted to comment on. Um, oh, where did it go? Did I refresh the page and I lost it? Oh, man. Um, I was I was going to comment on uh, the headlines on the 80. It must have refreshed when I was not looking. Um, let me see if it's, let me see if I can pull it up out of here. Um, yeah, they must've, uh, they must've, must've moved it. Uh, just some of the headlines here, just, it, it just, it cracks me up. Um, not cracks me up, but I mean, it irritates me, but there were, um, some headlines there that basically said, um, dang it. The headline said, um, that Peltola basically is facing off against Palin. No mention of baggage, who, according to a lot of the polling data, shows that he has a better um, chance of beating Peltola than Palin did. But it, it, I guess it just shows to me, I was just going to point it out as, an, uh, as a reason for, uh, <laughs> not a reason, I'm looking for my words here, folks. Uh, I was going to point it out as some of the hypocrisy of how there there is not really equitability. Now the the story over at Must Read, <clears throat> excuse me, said uh, you know talks about the three different uh, the three different people not Must Read um, over at uh, KTUU uh, talks about three women compete in the U.S. Senate race and you know I mean it talks it gives you. Um, it you know it gives you kind of a more equitable coverage, but this story from the ADN was, um, you know, Murkowski faces off against uh, Shabaka, but Peltola faces off against Palin, and no, just no other mentions. I just anyway, uh, just just kind of more of that unfiltered bias that we've seen, um, in the, in the past. I mean, not to mention the fact that, um, if you've been watching what's been happening over the, um, over at the ADN lately, they've been pulling a lot of stories and publishing a lot of stories from the Alaska beacon. And the Alaska beacon is James Brooks and Yareth Rosen and a bunch of other, um, what I would consider to be more liberal journalists who are being pumped up and funded by, the Liberal Journalism Project, which is the Everytown Newsroom, and um, and the ADN has just like been taking all those stories. I mean, there's just no. I'm just looking for some balance, right? That's all I want is some balance. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get a bunch of that. All right. <clears throat> well, um, what else did I have here? You know what? I think we're just going to um, I think we're just going to go to commercial break and we will uh, get a chance to talk with Brad here uh, a little bit. We will uh, we'll do that right now. How about that? How about that? All right. 
The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley, our guest, will continue with more here in uh, just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, no, I don't have COVID. I did take a test, uh, apparently. I'm just sick. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, I'm just scrolling through some of the comments here. Uh, what happens to the kids' voting program? At this point, it is a holy war. School staff are at the doors greeting students, and only students and parents are allowed. Once you are late, you need to get buzzed into the building. Um, It's Los Anchorage, bro. It's Los Anchorage, bro. Um, All right. Uh, So when did you decide to – what? Alex, I don't know what you've got – Alex has got to be in his bonnet about something. Um, <clears throat> all right. We're going to uh, chat with uh, – um, I'm going to chat with Brad Keithley. How about that? We'll bring him into the program this morning. Hey, Brad, how are you? Michael, I'm doing better than you. <laughs> I feel for you today. Jesus, son, I cannot string five words together. Um <clears throat> It's just, uh, I don't know, that, a little fiddly. That Robitussin, that Robitussin strong stuff, huh? No, I haven't even taken anything. I probably should. Maybe it would make me better. I don't know. It's just I'm a little punchy. So uh, <clears throat> are you all ready to uh, to dive in and uh, talk about all the great stuff and, and uh, stuff and things? Stuff and things. There you go. Yeah, I'm 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 ready. I'm ready. Thank you. I uh, I was sitting here fat, dumb, and happy watching the show, and then all of a sudden you mentioned you were going to break, and I thought, whoa, I'm not set up yet. So yeah, I know. Sorry, I just thought you know. Usually, I try I try to go to break right at about twenty after, and usually it means that I go over a little bit. So I thought, why not go under a little bit? You know. So we'll just we'll just try that. Um, and I couldn't think of anything else to say. So that was, that was the way we're, that was how we're going to do things. So, so what's, what's your remedy? Tea and honey? Is that, is that what you go for? Or? Uh, tea and lemon and honey and whiskey and hot water. That's the answer. Whiskey, That's whiskey. The, whiskey is the answer. <laughs> I don't know what the question was, but whiskey is the answer. So it's all good. The, sec- the secret ingredient. It is the secret ingredient, uh, for sure. Um, all right. Um, uh, let me see here. I'm just seeing, uh, what else? Uh, Brad's up and ready to go and maybe be, uh, say, uh, all right. Apparently I stabbed somebody in the back. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what happened, but apparently I stabbed somebody in the back. Um, uh, so I don't know. Um, 
I don't know what's going on there. I'll have to go find out exactly what's happening. Uh, so are you, uh, you all ready for your election or do you already, I'm assuming you already voted with your travels and stuff. You probably voted absentee. I voted by fax. Uh, you can vote by fax in Alaska, yeah. which if you, if you don't feel good getting out today, you may want to look into. I know I've, uh, I've actually done that before. I've actually voted by fax before I was in Seattle during election day. We couldn't get home or something. And so I went out and faxed it, uh, faxed it in, which is kind of nice. Um, to be able to do that. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I'm going to have to drag myself. The polling place is like a quarter mile from my house. So I'll probably drag myself <laughs> over there, run in, push a button, leave, you know, kind of uh, thing. In fact, in fact, everybody with I'm going to, I'm going to cough everywhere. I'm going to spray. I'm going to sneeze inside the booth. I'm going to lick the pan and put it back on the thing, you know? Um, well, Maybe that's why the Anchorage School District is closed. Yeah. Well, at least it's not COVID, right? Um, all right. Uh, we're 30 seconds out, Brad. We'll uh, put you back in the in the, in the the doghouse here for a minute, and we will be back with more. Uh, folks, like and share, like and follow, do all the things here, and uh, we will uh, – We'll do all this here. What What is hard to watch? I don't know what is hard to watch. Michael just said it's hard to watch. Something. This show, I imagine, is hard to watch today. All right. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking radio. Okay, uh, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and we are ready to go with the weekly top three. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, joining us right now uh, in the uh, uh, on the interview room here, ready to go. And we've got uh, three big things we're going to talk about today. Uh, Brad, I, I already feel bad today, so I know you're about to beat me down here, because. <laughs> Uh, I know today is going to be. You got some. You got some tough subjects today, and so we're going to start off first with what uh, your, you know, what your fear is, um, or your conclusion on the election itself. And uh, I mean, this is not. Uh, I guess it's not good news. Let me just let me put it that way. Give me your. Give me. Give me your thoughts, Brad. Don't beat on me too hard. I feel way too bad for that. Just. Just do what you need to do here. <laughs> Well, Michael, I think we started this election cycle, at least I started this election cycle with high hopes that we would have a good discussion on fiscal issues and other issues, but have a good discussion on fiscal issues. Um, candidates would take clear positions. Uh, people are probably already chuckling. Candidates would take clear positions. People would understand the issues and people would vote uh, based upon uh, their view of which candidate uh, uh best represented their position on, 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 again, on fiscal issues. And we would go into the next legislature uh, with, a, with a clear mandate one way or the other to finally get this fiscal issue uh, resolved. Um, I've, it's been anything but that <laughs> during, this, during this campaign cycle. We've had people taking uh, contrary positions. Uh, the Democrats, Chris Tuck, uh, had, a, had a tweet storm last night in favor of Les Guerra. And it just it it you read it and you just go what? 
here's where it starts. With the phrase, it's the economy stupid, Jim Carville successfully summarized the importance of electing people who advocate for policies that will improve the lives of ordinary people, many of whom live paycheck to paycheck. When I look back on the last 20 years in Alaska, I don't see a lot of policies that make things better for the little guy. Instead, I see continued subsidies for highly profitable oil companies and over-reliance on the permanent fund to subsidize state government. Instead of an economy that benefits all Alaskans, I see an economy that benefits bankers, lawyers, politicians, speculators, and CEOs. I don't think many of them are interested in change. Instead, they prefer more of the same. That's why I'm supporting Les Guerra for governor. Well, Les Guerra has taken a position of cutting the PFD. <laughs> of taking I mean, the PFD and spending it. Yeah, I mean, I'm what? I mean, what? I mean, so you've got you've got all this sort of inconsistency going on all over the place. You've got Democrats who are saying, "I'm for the little guy. I'm for working Alaska families." Maxine Dilbert is is just is just driving me crazy up in up in Fairbanks. It's one ad after another, or one tweet after another. I'm for working Alaska families. I'm for you know K through 12 education. I'm for for a strong university system. If I get in there, I'm going to support all those things. How are you going to pay for it? Silence. Or you know the less Gara favorite, I'm going to tax the oil companies. Well. Les Garrett believes in taxing the oil companies, but he also believes in cutting the PFD. So it's it, it, there's just this huge inconsistency going on on the Democrat side. Uh, I'm for the little guy. I'm for working Alaska families, but I'm going to cut your PFD because I want government knows better how to spend the money than 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 the little guys do. I know right. better how to take take care of them than they know how to take care of themselves. Right. And on the Republican side, we've got we've got these this this group of Republicans who are saying, I'm a staunch fiscal conservative. I'm for somebody who's going to stand up and, you know, and, and, and live up to uh, uh, fiscal conservative principles. Um, and I'm going to do that by uh, voting for an affordable PFD or a reasonable PFD. In other words, I'm going to take as much of your PFD as I need to pay off <laughs> to, to, to pay for this government that I, that, I, that I don't like. I'm not going to stand up for fiscal principles that that say we shouldn't tax middle and lower income Alaska families. I'm going to stand up for principles that say, say we should right. tax lower and middle income Alaska families. So I think, I think we're going to end up with a legislature that's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be exactly a third, a third, a third, but it's going to be a third Republicans like Shelley Hughes, and Mike Shower, who say, and, 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 and others who say, Mia Costello, that, that we ought to support the PFD, we ought, to, we ought to live up to the statutory PFD, that they're ready to compromise if they can lock in, lock in a PFD through a constitutional amendment. They're ready even to talk about moderate taxes, broad-based taxes, if they can lock in a moderate PFD. Um, but, but they're going to stand up first and foremost for a PFD. And then you've got these, what I will call round-heel Republicans, because they're rocking back on their heels about what the PFD ought to be to, you know, reasonable PFD. You've got these round heel Republicans who are, who are, you know, saying I'm sort of for the PFD, except I'm not really not. I, I want to pay for government. I don't want to, I don't want anybody else to pay for it other than lower middle income Alaska families. Don't want oil companies to pay for it. Don't want the top 20% to pay for it. So we'll just do it through, through PFD cuts, but I'm a rock rib conservative Republican. I, I don't know how they get that, but but there's but there's that there's you that keep, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means, right? <laughs> and you got Will Staff up in in Fairbanks, and 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 yeah, Forest Wolf in in Anchorage, and you got 
uh, uh, Justin Ruffridge down in, in, in on the Kenai. You got, you got candidates that are like that, Round Hill Republicans. Then you got Democrats who talk a good game about worrying about middle and lower income Alaska families. And then you, you do what Tuck does. I mean, you, you, you back candidates. He's backing Andy Josephson, who makes no, doesn't even try to hide the fact he's ready to cut the PFD to do whatever it takes to, to create money for, uh, for Alaska government and to, and to support spending. You got people like Chris Tuck who talk a good game, but then, you know, when push comes to shove, they back candidates who are, who are going off in an entirely different direction. So I, we don't, we're not going to have clarity um, out of this election. We're going to have the same three coalitions or the same three aggregations of, of politicians that we had, uh, that we had before uh, con fiscal conservatives who believe in the PFD, who believe that, uh, that we need to solve that issue round heel Republicans who are rocking back and forth and don't know really what they believe, except, except they don't want to tax the top 20% and they don't want to tax all companies. We know that. And then Democrats who talk a good game, but, but when push comes to shove, they're just taking the, they're taking the PFD also. There's, there's a couple of articles about what does this mean once the election's over? How does that translate uh, into, uh, into the legislature? Uh, there's an, there are articles in Alaska public media, both on the Senate side and on the House side, interviews of James Brooks uh, on both sides that say, you know, a coalition's possible in both the House and in the Senate. And if you look at the numbers in the Senate, if you elect people like Giesel, uh, uh, you're gonna, you may end up with a, with a coalition in the Senate uh, also. And that coalition, they're, they're, not gonna, they're not gonna try to solve anything. They're just gonna try to, you know, keep cutting the PFD and saying they're, they're good fiscal conservatives, but we're gonna keep cutting the PFD. And then uh, it's going to be up to the governor uh, uh, to hold the line. So it's the same standoff, um, assuming Dunleavy is reelected. It's the same standoff that uh, that we've had the past uh, the past several years. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what we've gained by this election cycle. We may be changing some of the players. Uh, we may have some of the old players coming back, like Giesel. Uh, hopefully not, but we may be have having some of the old players coming back. Um, and, uh, and I'm not sure what we've, what we've really accomplished. I, I, I took to a degree. I lay the blame on this at Dunleavy's feet. Um, he didn't go out and campaign, uh, for candidates that would back him up. I mean, he was just sort of in it for himself and, and that's, you know, that's understandable. You want to get yourself reelected first, but he was sort of in it for himself. He sort of ran a campaign that was all focused on getting himself reelected, uh, didn't really use any political capital that he had, I, that I perceived, to get out there and push candidates that, uh, that have backed him up in the past or that, that are necessary to give him a, a majority to work with in the future. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to end up, I'm afraid, um, uh, this is the fear part, we're going to end up, I'm afraid, in the same place we started with mush. Well, uh, with, with a, legislature, a legislature that isn't going isn't gonna to produce any results other than you know, temporary year to year right. uh, fixes. Well, and what did Dunleavy have to lose? I mean, especially some of these races, like example, the the uh, Kathy Geisel and Roger Holland race. I mean, Kathy Geisel is never going to be his friend. She wants him to crash and burn. So he could have endorsed Holland and had all that, you know, given that support. Uh, same thing, I think, on the Shower Massey race. There are several races out there where he could have been, uh, you know, really with no danger to him. It wasn't like he was alienating people who were going to work with him in the beginning anyway. 
Well, I think his pollster uh, and and his advisors told him uh, that it was his race to lose. His his race was his race to lose, and um, and he just ought to hang back and uh, and and not do anything that uh, that 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 excited people or gave anybody a tripwire to to use against him. And you know that's a strategy, but but is it a strategy? We'll talk about this in the next segment. But is it a strategy that 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 governs? Is it a strategy that gives you policies that really move Alaska forward? Or is it just, you know, just sort of the same old, same old? We're going to rock along for yet another legislature, assuming the numbers, assuming the numbers come out where they look like they're going to come out. We're going to rock along with another legislature that's going to say, you know, some people are going to talk a good game. Will Stapp's going to get in there and say, I'm a fiscal conservative, by gosh, I'm going to cut spending. Oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. You want to tax the top 20 percent? Uh, in order to to pay for it, in order to hold it. No, 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 I don't want that. I'll agree. I'll agree to give you your spending if you agree not to tax uh, either my top 20% or the or the old companies. We're just going to rock along with with legislators um, uh, like that yet again. Um, and, um, and, and we're not going to solve anything. So all of the hopes and dreams of, the, of this uh, of this campaign, of this election cycle, really giving us a, a, a solid result that we could go forward with. Um, I just don't think that's going to. I just well, don't think that's going to happen. And what's really interesting about some of these so-called roundhill Republicans you're talking about is, I mean, at least with Shower and some of the others, they addressed you know every option of it. I mean, that included you know uh, taxes, but also you know increasing the taxes on the oil company and other things. And a lot of these these you know top twenty percent Republicans. They don't want any of that. They want they don't want anything to be messed with the oil industry. I mean, there's money on the table there. There's hundreds of millions of dollars that could be, you know, it could be scooped up and used, but they don't want to do that. So they don't want to a uh, they don't want to stop the PFD gravy train and they don't want to increase or change any of the tax structures around the oil companies and that so that's like the double whammy there. It is. It is. And what do you end up with? You end up with I mean, it, that's how we got into this coalition. We got into the coalition because Kelly Merrick said, if you agree not to tax the oil companies, if you agree not to tax the top 20 percent, I'll, I'll join your coalition and I'll vote for for the spending uh, uh, spending that, uh, that that you want to do. As long as you don't tax my people, uh, I'll go along with whatever, whatever spending you want to do. And that's that's where we're going to end up. I mean, Steve Thompson and Bart LeBond didn't join the coalition, but that's where they were. I mean, on 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 the tough votes, if there would have been tough votes on those issues, that's where they were going to be. Uh, that's where we ended up with people in the Senate, like Gary Stevens and and Stedman and 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 people in the Republican side in the Senate. When it came to the tough votes, they crossed over and they and they formed effectively budget coalitions uh, with uh, with the minority, with the Democrats uh, in this last session. I, you just don't. There, there's there's not going to be any change to that. The player, the faces may change some. Um, and as I say, some of the old, old faces may come back. Esau may come back. Uh, the, but the faces may change some, but the, there's not a clarity out there on the issues. If you, if you have Chris Tuck talking about vote for Andy Josephson, he's going to look out for working Alaska families, vote for Les Gare, they're going to look out for Alaska families, vote for Maxine Dilbert. She's going to, they're going to look out for Alaska families. And then you look at the positions they're taking they're not looking out for Alaska families. They're looking out for a different constituency. They're looking out for government spending. Um, and, and, and we're just, you know, and that's where we're going to be. So, right. so I, it's, it's, a, it's a disappointment that that's, that that's where we've gotten to. This so point. your thought is the election's not going to solve anything. 
we may have coalitions in both the House and the Senate, and the governor may be able to stop stuff, but he's not going to be able to drive the agenda. Is that kind of the conciseness of the whole thing? Yeah, it is. It is. And 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 you're exactly right on the governor able to stop stuff. Without majorities, I mean, we have to keep in mind, continually keep in mind, the PFD set by the legislature. The governor has very little to do with it. And without majorities in work, that he can work with in, in both the House and the Senate, because uh, it takes both bodies agreeing to it, without majorities he can work with, uh, he's not going to be able to accomplish uh, what he's proposed to accomplish on the PFD. So we're going to end up you know, we're going to end up in the same place of of the governor trying to use what 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 leverage he has, sort of, uh, to to extract a higher PFD uh, and just go from year to year to year. We're not going to we're not going to get uh, these issues uh, resolved uh, for the long term. Uh, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Number two, it's all about legacy. The lame duck, right? I mean, uh, Dunleavy, if he gets in, he's going to be building a legacy. Um, maybe even Lisa, because if Frank Choice voting gets out of the way, I don't think she'll ever make it back there again. So is she lame duck? Is is it all about legacy? And what does that mean to you? Well, here's here's the question that I'm that I'm I wonder about. Assuming Dunleavy gets reelected, and the polls are telling us that's going to happen. Assuming. Dunleavy gets reelected. He's in. He's in a lame duck situation, right? He can't. He can't run for a third term. Um, Jay Hammond uh, produced the PFD um, and 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 effectively used his power as governor during uh, during his final term in office, during his second term in office, to produce the PFD. Is Dunleavy? The question I've got is: Is Dunleavy now freed of the need to run for reelection? Is he going to be a stronger leader than he has been the last four years when I, when frankly, I think he was just trying to survive to get to the election and then survive through the election? Is he going to think about in his second term, is he going to think about leaving a legacy for future Alaskans in the same way that, that Hammond, that Hammond thought about it? And is he going to use the power of the governorship as, as Hammond did in his second term? Is he going to use the power of the governorship uh, to build a legacy? Or is Dunleavy going to sit there and go, if I rock along another four years and either we do away with ranked choice voting or we don't, assuming Lisa gets elected to the Senate, am I going to rock along four years and am I going to think about running against Lisa um, in six years? And, and so once again, as governor for these next four years, I don't want to do anything that really perturbs anybody. Uh, I just want to sort of keep rocking along and, and you know, talk a good game about being a conservative get to the end of my term, and then, assuming Lisa's been reelected and assuming Lisa's the senator, sit there and really run for two years uh, for, for that Senate seat. I, I, think there's, I think there's a choice there. I hope he decides that he wants to leave a legacy as governor. I hope, like Hammond in his second term, he says he wants to, he wants to do something that, uh, that, that he leaves behind something that's lasting. Uh, let's continue this here in just a minute. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with Brad Keithley. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can come out and check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We'll be back with more in just a moment.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. We're in the break. We're in the break. Oh, man. All right. Um, I just... uh, I, I just I, I can only hope that Dunleavy will want to leave a legacy of some kind. Um, I mean, really, well, the problem is, is going back to number one, he's not going to have a legislature to support him. So it's going to be very tough to create some kind of long lasting legacy if you've got if you have this adversarial relationship where basically you're doing nothing but combat with the legislature the entire time and holding them back. It's going to be pretty tough to create some kind of legacy, don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's, there's going to be a challenge. I mean, I think stepping back, I think the fiscal policy working group uh, uh, outline of last year, God, that was just last year, seems like longer ago, but the fiscal policy working group of last year is, 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 is a good outline of where we, of where we need to get. Um, the governor really never fully endorsed it um, and never really pressed for it. Uh, and it just sort of died in that in that in the legislative session that that followed it coming out. But you had people like Ben Carpenter on one side and Jesse Keel on the other side uh, uh, coming together and agreeing on on a set of terms that would resolve. I mean, it, it would be compromise on all sides, but it would resolve uh, Alaska's fiscal situation. Get it behind us and 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 let us talk about other things and talk about you know policies moving forward. Um, and and I think that if the governor, if, if he's elected with the legislature, as, as we just talked about, that's that's you know uh, uh, opposed to him on on both sides or or in coalitions on both sides, I think if the governor came out and fully endorsed the fiscal policy working group proposal and said this is the this is the baseline that we're going to use, let's all sit down, let's have a series of meetings, let's see if we can't if we can't hammer it out. I think that would that would give him a chance, give the state a chance of being able to to resolve the situation. Um, but it takes I, it, nobody's going to go out and and try to do leadership on that, or nobody's going to be successful in doing leadership on that if the governor's not on board. Because what what do you do? You, you you sort of set all this up, and then the governor just like just like the just like the vaping tax, right? Just to just to give you something to get you know to get your blood going again, you, you, you pass the vaping tax, the e-cigarette tax, and then the governor vetoes it. So nobody's gonna nobody's gonna spend a whole lot of time trying to bring all of this together if at the end of the day the governor's gonna veto it. Um, so it's or or pick pieces and parts of it, you know, pick apart the the the, the compromise of it. So I think I think the chance for his legacy, if he wants to establish a legacy, is is to sort of endorse the fiscal policy working group. Say Ben Carpenter, you on the right, you've already signed off on this. Jesse Keel, you on the left, you've already signed off on this. Let's bring everybody together and let's 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 hammer out the details of how of how this is going to work. Um, and I think there's a chance to be able to accomplish that. But the governor's got to do it. I mean, the right. governor's got to step up. 
and do it. He's got to drive. Uh, he's got to drive the boat on that. He's he's got to be the one leading the charge on it. Yeah, he can't be sitting there in the background going, "Yeah, you're gonna pass all that stuff, and then I'll veto it, and then I'll you know look like." And so and so the governor's got to make up his, to me. The governor's got to make up his mind whether that's what he wants to do, whether he wants to leave a legacy of having resolved this stuff like Hammond resolved the PFD in his second term. The governor's got to make up his mind whether he wants to resolve this stuff and leave a strong fiscal legacy for the future or whether he wants to sort of do what he did the last four years and just sort of rock along because he's thinking he can't run again for governor, but because he's thinking if Lisa's sitting out there in six years again, six years again, six years again that that he wants to position himself to uh, to be able to yeah. to do that and, and he doesn't want to rock the boat while he's, while he's sitting around uh while he's getting ready to do that brad i don't think this was your intention today but uh geez brad such a debbie downer with that outlook and nothing changing why vote i think i'll just stay home today i don't think that was your point here in in this right here i think everybody needs to go vote but i mean we need to be realistic too right well, we do need to be realistic, and 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 frankly, if if you live in I don't know where Scott lives, but if you if you live in Mike Showers district, this is the reason to go vote, because if you let Doug Massey, if you don't go vote for Shower and you let Doug Massey get elected, it's it's going to be even worse. I mean, the legislature is going to be even more tilted against the PFD and even more tilted against uh, against fiscal policies that that work for uh, middle and lower income Alaska families. So. Um, it, it, no, actually, actually, if you, if you live in one of those districts, Mia Costello, uh, Mia Costello and, uh, and Matt Clayman's district, if you live in one of those districts where, where there's still a chance of getting a, a, a true fiscal conservative, uh, elected, it's, it's all the more reason to go vote because we don't want to abandon, uh, any of, and any more of those races, lose any more of those right. races to the other side. Geisel Holland, if you live in that district, it's a reason to go vote. Uh, to try to you know keep the the core uh, fiscal conservatives uh, as strong as it can be. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Look at that, right on time. We're ready to go. Jumping back into it, uh, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. Okay, uh, we're continuing now, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We were just talking about um, Legacy and Dunleavy um, in his lame duck session, assuming that he is reelected. What does he do? Does he go Katie bar the door? Does he go for broke and try and fulfill a lot of the promises he originally ran on? Does he, you know, does he does he make waves? Or does he sit back and relax because he's really got his eye on the Senate seat uh, in the future? I mean, I guess a lot of that depends on whether or not Murkowski actually wins, and there's a chance that uh, Shibaka could win. And so I guess that is really kind of the the coin toss on this one, right, Brad? I mean, that, really, in the that's, long run, that's really another reason to vote for Kelly. To, I, to exactly, exactly. Sort of, sort of seal off Dudley so all he's got left is legacy. Um, I, I really, I really hope the governor, uh, comes through this election and says, okay, you know, we recovered from the first year. We recovered from the recall push. We, we, we got through these four years. Um, 
I don't have the kind of legislature that I that that is perfect for me. But uh, but by gosh, like Hammond in his second term, I wonder how many times I can repeat that on the show. Like like Hammond in in his second term, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave something that Alaskans remember me for. Sort of unlike Tony Knowles in his second term, which was just sort of you know he got through another he got through another four years. Like Hammond in his second term. Uh, I want to leave a legacy that, you know, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, Alaskans remembered, remember the Dunleavy, the second Dunleavy administration for finally bringing a solution to Alaska's long-term fiscal issues, set the stage for, for growth, for certainty, fiscal certainty, and for growth, uh, growth beyond that. I, if, if, if I were the governor, and I'm not, but if I were the governor, that is... That is the kind of thing that I would think about a lot uh, for my second term. The things I would want to accomplish that left that legacy, that long-term legacy for the second term. Now, I, you know, if 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 Murkowski wins, the Senate seat sitting out there in six years, uh, that may be something that's just you know that his advisors and others say you got to position yourself to go for. Don't rock the waves. Don't don't do anything that 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 creates an issue. Uh, between now and then, but but it's I, I I am hopeful that when the governor sits there, that he's gonna he's gonna sit there and say I want to accomplish things in this in these last four years that that leave a legacy. Now, as as we were just talking about, as you just pointed out, there's an inconsistency between that saying that and the first point we were talking about with the leg, which with the legislature still going to be mush. But as we talked about in the break, I think. I think the way to reconcile that is for the governor to adopt the fiscal policy working group uh, results of a year ago and say, look, we have a framework here. This is this is where Ben Carpenter on the right, Jesse Keel on the left, all came together. They agreed this is something that that would that could set policy that they could all chip in on and set policy going forward. And I think that sets the stage for the governor picking that up and saying, OK, we're going to resolve this, folks. Here's the here's here's the here's the way forward that that this this broad bipartisan bicameral group agreed on. Most of them are still around. Let's get together. I'm going to drive this boat, and I'm going to tell you if we come out with something along those lines, I'm going to sign it. Right. Um, and and I think I think that I think he can use that as a way of dri- driving toward a legacy. But you know, the question questions in the air uh, whether he'll do that. Or not. Well, the question is, would he be electable? If um, he continues on the same milk toast route that he's been going on, I mean, even if he does nothing over the next four years and then decides to run for Murkowski's seat, if she gets reelected, well, that's great, except for people already feel stung and they feel cheated. And if he does nothing to wow them between now and then, what, you know, what is, is that make him any more palatable than before? I mean, that that's a whole nother aspect of this. Well, he got reelected this time. <laughs> I mean, it looks like he's going to be reelected this time. So right. he can say, you know, if I just if I muddle through the way I did these last four years, uh, I'll be I'll still be electable. There, there's a lot of things that can change. Certainly, if Murkowski's reelected, there's a lot of things that can change in six years. Other candidates can emerge. Other forces can emerge. I mean, it, it can really, you know, the dynamics can shift a lot. But but Dunleavy's got statewide name recognition. He certainly likes talking about national issues on Fox News and elsewhere. Um, and and he's you know and he I can see him 
thinking that he can position himself uh, right. to do that. But but if he does that, if that's what if that's what his thought process is, they're going to look at the last four years as the template for how to accomplish that, for how to make him electable, and that is talk a good game, but not really you know pitch in and 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 deal with these issues, get in the middle of these issues, and work out solutions like Hammond did. He's gonna he's gonna you know lay back and and just sort of let uh, let things float along and and just sort of you know keep talking about national issues and being the national spokesman on oil issues and that sort of stuff. All right, well let's move on to number three. Is the Alaska LNG project any closer to actual fruition? Is it really? Is it here? Is it any closer this time? So he, here's the here's the interesting thing about that. I mean, a lot of people dismiss the the summit over in Tokyo as a campaign stunt uh, designed by Dan Sullivan to help support uh, Dunleavy's reelection. I don't think it was. And the reason I don't is Rahm Emanuel, if there's any more Democrat, more election savvy than, than Rahm Emanuel, I'm not sure who it is. Um, uh, Rahm Emanuel, uh, the ambassador to Japan, was the one who called uh, the LNG summit, the one who chaired the LNG summit, the, the administration spokesman on it, uh, the, the, the administration spokesman who was pushing Alaska LNG. Here's, here's what I think's going on. If you look at the world realignment that's going on in light of, the, of Russia's Ukraine invasion, uh, the West is sort of going to supply itself. The East, Russia is going to supply China. Um, and Russia is going to uh, supply, looks like, India uh, and other uh, Asian nations. But, but the West is going to sort of find ways to take care of itself. Japan is sort of sitting out there um, uh, un unhinged or, or adrift right now. Japan's imports from Russia, the value of Japan's imports from Russia, actually have gone up since the Russian uh, invasion of Ukraine. And the reason it has is it's continued to import LNG. Uh, from uh, uh, from Russia uh, and paid higher prices for it uh, uh, coming from Russia. So Japan's balance of trade with Russia has actually gotten worse since uh, since Ukraine. The West doesn't, uh, the Biden administration, people in the United States, people in Europe don't want that. They want Japan on side, uh, on the West side uh, in, in the split as the world sort of realigns. So from a national security standpoint, there, there is a there is a strong reason to get U.S. LNG to get other sources of LNG into Japan. It doesn't look like Australia is going to be able to, to pick up that slack. Uh, the U.S. Gulf Coast is being redirected largely to Europe, so it, it, you you need an addition to to get Japan unhooked off of Russian LNG. You need and it looks like you need an additional supply of LNG coming into Japan. And Alaska certainly fits that. It's on, it's on the, the Pacific Ocean, doesn't have to go through the Panama Canal. Now, shipping costs are lower. Um, and, and because our gas is stranded, uh, the economics of it look better. I mean, it's not competing. No one else is trying to buy our gas. So, so it's, the price isn't being driven up by that. It's susceptible to a long-term uh, market agreement. And, and so I, there, there is a strong case for, for why it's different this time. And the fact that you had a pre-election chaired by Rahm Emanuel uh, uh, a conference on a, focused on Alaska LNG, I think is an indicator that it may be different this time. Now, it may not be natural gas. 
LNG or Alaska LNG is shifting, uh, has recently started a hydrogen uh, 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 program and, and, and talking about turning in, uh, uh, turning the Cook Inlet into a hydrogen hub, uh, turning uh, uh, natural gas into uh, Alaska's natural gas into hydrogen and shipping it as hydrogen. And, and Japan's talked about using that as a fuel. So it may not be, may not be in the form of LNG, but it may be using Alaska's gas, Alaska's uh, 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 natural gas molecules, it, turning it into a different form of energy and shipping it over to Japan. I think it is different, but it is a different situation than, than, than we've had before, um, in part because of the invasion um, and in part because of the ability to, uh, to fix uh, costs on the Alaska side in a way you can't do it with the Gulf Coast in, in a way that you really can't do it with Australia either. Brett Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're out of time, folks. we got to go. Hour two, dead ahead. Thanks for coming in the Michael Duke Show. Sorry, Brad. I uh, <clears throat> I looked away for a second, and two minutes passed when I was looking away. Um, I, you know, I think this is good news for us. The question is, you know, what does it mean in the long term for – I mean, these are all long-term projects. These don't happen. We don't just, you know, wave a magic wand and say, okay, now we're producing LNG. This has got a long lead time on it. So what do you think? I mean, when do we know whether or not this is really happening in your mind? Oh, two years, three years. I mean, a lot's got to happen between now and then. A lot's got to happen in terms of fiscal financial commitments, contracts from Japanese companies uh, with uh, uh, for uh, LNG. We've got to find the funding uh, for, uh, uh, for, the, for the pipeline, whether it's hydrogen or or natural gas, it's got to be piped down to the Cook Inlet, uh, one way or the other. Um, so we've got to find we got to find funding for that. Uh, but it's it's a different project. When you say we're farther along now than we ever ever been before, I'm not sure that's a fair. I'm not sure that's a fair statement. We're in a different project now than than we've been before. We're in a different environment now than we've been before. And, and, and we're looking differently as a result of being in that different environment and with that, with that, different, with that different project. Things have to fall in place. Uh, Japan has to make uh, commitments, purchase commitments of, of the product. We have to find financing for the kit, for the, fi- for the pipeline, for, for either the hydrogenation plant or the liquefaction plant, whatever it turns out to be. Uh, we have to do a lot of things, have to get a lot of things uh, resolved. But it's but it's a it's a path that, especially given uh, the administration's support, especially given you know the, the the heightened awareness of it that the administration's giving it uh, with uh, with the conference over in Tokyo, um, it's a path that looks promising um, in a way that sort of the old LNG pre Russia pre pre the invasion of the, the Ukraine, it looked like the U.S. Gulf Coast was going to have enough gas that Russia was going to continue to supply Europe. That the U.S. Gulf Coast was going to be uh, Asian-oriented, and it was going to have enough gas to supply Asia. With the with the reconfiguration that's going on in the world uh, as a result of the Russian invasion, the world looks a lot different. The 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 LNG, the energy world, looks a lot different. Um, and so I think there's I think there is uh, an opportunity there for Alaska LNG that's different than it's been before, um, and sort of unique to Alaska LNG. Before we were just competing with the Gulf Coast for it to be another supplier. But but given the geopolitical realignment um, and given you know some, some advantages that Alaska has in the Cook Inlet in terms of being able to store CO2 
as part of the hydrogenation process. I, 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 there's a difference in this project that, that, that has some appeal to it. And of course, <clears throat> one of the big questions with this is uh, locked in gas. There is a cost. Uh, and it's a fixed cost, and it's pretty high compared to many of the other fields. But you're saying that those fields are in demand for other players, so this may be the only option at that point. Or, well, yeah. yeah. So the Gulf Coast looks like it's 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 U.S. Gulf Coast looks like it's going to be a supplier to to Europe uh, over the long term, not just over the medium term. But but if Europe's going to disconnect from Russia, they're going to need supplies from someplace. Africa will be part of it. Qatar will be part of it, but the U.S. Gulf Coast will be a big part of it. Um, and then, and then there's a uniqueness to uh, to Alaska's ability to uh, uh, positioning to to supply Asia. So there, there's a reason. It was not. Let me let me say this. It was not a reelection stunt designed. Rahm Emanuel was not part of a reelection stunt designed to reelect Dunleavy. That was that that is not what that was. It was something else, and it, it was, I think, the first step or the first public um, uh, recognition of a different project that, uh, that, that has some attractiveness to it. Brad Keithley, <clears throat> Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. Final thoughts here on Election Day. What's your, what's your words of encouragement here now that you've beaten the crap out of us for 40 minutes? Well, let me go. Let me go back to, to the comment we had in the last break. That vote. I mean, we need all the fiscal conservatives we can get. If you're in Showers District, if you're in, um, uh, if you're in Roger Hall and Kathy Geisels, if you if you're in Mia Costello, uh, Matt Clayman, if you're down on the Valley uh, in one of the districts, one of the competitive districts where you've got a fiscal conservative versus a round heel Republican. Um, uh, vote, my gosh! I mean, we need all, we need all of the fiscal conservatives. I guess the point is we're not going to have enough to take over. It doesn't look like we're going to win enough races to uh, to have a majority. But by gosh, we need all of them we can get. So get out there and vote, uh, and 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 give get get us enough uh, to uh, to continue to uh, to to have that position be a player. Uh, in the discussion. If all those people get wiped out, if Shower gets wiped out, if Holland gets wiped out, um, if Mia gets wiped out, if people in, uh, down on the down on the peninsula get wiped out, if people up in the valley, the the the, the true fiscal conservatives get wiped out, if all those people get wiped out, we're, even, we're not even going to have a voice um, in in continuing to pursue uh, the PFD and other fiscally conservative issues. So, yeah. no, my gosh, get out and vote. It's, it's imperative. <clears throat> Absolutely important. Brad, thank you. Yeah, Brad, uh, Gary Stevens is another one. The Click Bishop, Elijah Verhagen race. I mean, those are all races that we should be getting out there and voting and bringing a friend with us when we come. Um, all right, Brad Keithley, <clears throat> Alaskans uh, for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You kept me uh, You kept me going for another hour, so I appreciate that uh, <laughs> as well. Uh, okay, uh, folks, that uh, brings us uh, to the top of the hour here. I'm going to open up the phone lines. So, oops, shoot. Let me uh, turn this on here. Try not to blow you guys out. And we'll see. Thanks for calling the call-in line of the Michael Duke Show. Look at that. Okay, so the phone lines are now active and open. We're going to take some calls. We'll see what happens. There we go. All right, uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. 75 people in the chat room, only five shares. So feel free to share at any time. Here we go. 
hour two right now. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live across the world on the internet and around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show. Hi, how are you? Are you guys ready? This is it. This is election day. This is the day when it all ends, except, of course, for the fact that we have to wait two weeks to figure out exactly who is what. Who is who is who wins and who loses uh, because of uh, ranked choice voting? We've got to wait all that time and uh, we have no idea what's going to happen between now and then. Um, but uh, I guess we'll just uh, hang out and and uh, kumbaya and and do whatever between now and then and relax and uh, then we'll know. But at least at least the commercial madness will end, huh? At least the commercial madness will end and we'll uh, we'll figure that out uh, we'll figure that out here um, it's selection day uh, so if you haven't uh, already headed down to your local precinct which opened about 10 minutes ago um, I recommend that you go out there and uh, you go out and vote today even if you're in a different area if you're away from your polling location you can always go vote a question ballot at any polling place uh, so I would recommend that you do that um, and you know, just let your voice be heard. Do what you do what you need to do. Um, uh, polling locations across the state. Uh, the best thing to do is you can just type in polling location Alaska into the uh, Google browser and it will give you a uh, it will give you a like a little form that you can uh, um, where you can click and it will tell you um, it'll tell you where or you can go to elections dot Alaska. <clears throat> dot gov and there's a where to vote there's a where to vote thing on there so you can go right there and you can figure out where your bowling location is and uh, how you need to do it and what you need to do so go off with you go vote today that's what i'm saying um <clears throat> now uh normally uh, on election day and i've done this for many many years but I like, if I get a little time, I like to talk with uh, you folks and get a feel for where you're at to take your phone calls and to see who you're voting for and why. And it uh, doesn't matter who you're voting for to me. I mean, it could be somebody I agree with or somebody I disagree with, but I'd love to hear who you're voting for and why. 
And so we're going to uh, we're going to throw the phone lines open at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. This hour of the program, by the way, being brought to you by our friends at Satellite West. Um, wherever you need to go in the state of Alaska, wherever you are, uh, Lake Minchumina or all the way out to West Twin or someplace else in the world, the, the, the peaks of Summit, you need to uh, go out there and, uh, and you need to be in contact with connection with somebody, whether it's sending a text message or an email or uh, surf the internet or just make a phone call. The folks at Satellite West can hook you up. Um, they've got all the technology that needs to do that. SatelliteWest.com, proud sponsors of the program. Thank you so much for to them for sponsoring the show today. And uh, <clears throat> we'll be doing that uh, up right now. So I want to hear from you right now as to who you are voting for and why. I think that's uh, – and, and the reasoning. You know, I think that that's a good – I think that's a good thing to talk about this morning. Uh, if you've already voted, you can tell me that. If you haven't voted or you're voting today, you can tell me that. Um, if you're voting tomorrow, you're too late. So just note to self. Note to self. Today is the day to get it done. So let's go over to the phones. And again, I apologize. I'm a little slow this morning. Um, and uh, But we'll we'll make it through. We'll make it through. Chris Story is going to be joining us here in about uh, 15, uh, 12, 15 minutes. So. Let's go over to the phones and we'll start off over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Joyce Grover from North Pole, Alaska. Hello, Joyce. What's on your mind this morning? Who are, who are you looking at on the big ballot card? I'm looking at uh, all Republicans, ex- except for Lisa Murkowski, and my my big thing is abortion. I was an abortion. I was forced to be an abortion nurse many many years ago when there was a glut of nurses. Right. And to me, abortion is is murder, and there should be a wall in Washington D.C. with all the fetuses listed on it. So you're voting for all the you're ranking the red with the exception of Murkowski, who is I mean she's been censured by the Republican Party. I don't know if you could argue that she's actually a Republican at this point, but so you're ranking the red on everything else. No, I can't. Yeah, um, and uh, any specific candidate you're looking at uh, that uh, you know you you full you know wholeheartedly can throw your support behind. I like I like Dunleavy. Okay. All right. So you're going to be ranking Dunleavy? And, and <clears throat> number one. Number one. All right. Okay. Well, Joyce, uh, thank you for calling in and giving us your thoughts. I'd like to hear why you're voting for certain things, and I appreciate you giving us that as well this morning. I appreciate that. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Over here we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, this is Alex Jaffrey. I'm calling from Fairbanks, Alaska. Good morning, Alex. What's on your mind? Well, first off, I'd like to apologize for the confusion earlier. Um, that was an argument between me and Clay Nash. It had nothing to do with you. Okay. All right. <clears throat> who, are you, who are you voting for this go-around, Alex? I mean, um, who's, 
Who's who? Who are your candidates that you're choosing well, um, and why? I'm going to be voting for uh, myself, obviously, in the uh, District P Senate race. I'm going to be voting for uh, Don Levy and uh, Kelly Tishbaki, etc. I, I, in in my race, however, I will say this. I think Scott Kawasaki is more qualified than Jim Batterley. So you'll be voting for yourself? Will you, does that mean you'll be ranking? Does that mean you'll be ranking Kawasaki second at that point? Yes, I will be ranking Kawasaki second. Yes. And he's and he's more qualified than Matherly because Jim Matherly knew that Slot had a pedophile on their board for over a year. That I can prove. And he said absolutely nothing about it. He continued to defend them. He continued to praise them. I, I would not be running if Jim Matherly had helped cover that up. Okay. All right. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate that. So you'll be voting for yourself, number one, and Kawasaki, number two, and not for Matherly because uh, of something to do with fly. I, did, I haven't even heard about this, so uh, thanks for giving us the heads up on that. I wasn't aware of that. Um, let's go over to the next call and see who else is here. Who are you voting for and, uh, and why? Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, Paul in Fairbanks. Hey, Paul. Yeah. So I, 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 a registered Democrat, which I, I'm kind of ambivalent, whatever, but somehow I got tied into, uh, my phone number and Mary Pelota keeps texting me their campaign. Oh. And I, I was, she, she's uh, got Mark Hamill, her friend, Mark Hamill, the star Wars actor. Right. Right. Supporting her. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And it's like, great. So Hollywood. Yeah. That impresses me. <laughs> Don't worry. It wasn't and, uh, the other one on was either Friday or Saturday tomorrow. We're going to have a, a Bernie Sanders doing an event to turn out the vote. It's like, wow. Yeah. No. I, I, Bernie Sanders and Mark Hamill, that's very Alaskan. Yeah. Right? No. Hollywood well, and the East Coast socialists. Don't, <laughs> don't. Like, uh, say no more. I know who I'm not voting for. Yeah. And don't worry. It wasn't because you were a registered Democrat that you got all those phone calls, Paul. Everybody got, I mean, my phone has been blowing up with Mary Poltola phone, you know, text messages and everything else. And every time I block the number, every time I I block the number, they send it from another number. So it's like, yeah. There's the cutting edge of uh, burying people in Texas, huh? Yeah, exactly. I I, I couldn't figure it out. I thought, I don't remember how, yeah, I couldn't figure out how they got my number. I'll be darned. Yeah, I think they're just, I think they're just blanketly texting Every 907 cell phone out there is what it seems to me because it's not just you. It's me and, and a lot of people in the chat room have said the same thing and everything else. Um, yeah, there's a lot of lot of people out there getting uh, t- getting those texts. And and I may be a, somewhat of a non-communicative, be able to communicate a whole lot uh, guy, but the, the amount of the, the texts is like she's a junior high teenager, you know, oh, Mark Hamill. And anyway, that's. <laughs> All I got. Thank you. So, Bye-bye. So I, I guess you're not voting for Mary Poltola then. Are you you're ranking uh, Baggage and Palin? Is that the plan? Or just one? 
He didn't hang on there. I was going to ask that question, but I missed it. Too slow on the uptake this morning. All right, one. Uh, let's see. We got another call here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Uh, they're there, but I don't know what they're doing. Apparently, they're not here, and I'll put them back on hold. How about that? And I'll go back over here. One more call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning. Willie Keppel out here in Quinnahawk. Hey, Willie. How you doing? I'm d- doing just lovely. Oh. Go go ahead, Willie. We're kind of going back and forth over the phone. Yeah, we're having a hard time with internet and phone systems out here. They phone us up pretty hard yesterday. Yeah. So who are you voting for and why, Willie? What's the plan? Um, Dunleavy and Pierce, I'm ranking those number two. And then I'm ranking Palin, Bye, and Begich. And, of course, Kelly. And, of course, Kelly, yep. And then... And then naturally, I called in here because it's the only way to reach the harbor to remind them in 20 years, they finally have a choice besides Lyman Hoffman. <laughs> right. They have a li- They have a choice besides and Lyman Hoffman both, yeah. down in Dutch Harbor now? Well, I believe you're playing down in Dutch Harbor yet, are Yep, absolutely. Down. So, yeah, ADN wouldn't uh, answer any of the phone calls or texts, so I wasn't able to buy advertisement. They own the newspapers in Dutch Harbor and Billingham. And so they're just kind of the way it works out here. I guess politics is controlled. Well, now they have a choice out there. Willie Keppel is on the ballot, and they can go out there today, and they can vote for that. Willie, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, One more time here with this last caller. Good morning. Who's this? Hello, caller? All right. Well, they must have... uh, They must have butt-dialed or put the phone down or whatever, but that doesn't matter because now we're going to go to break. All right, Chris Story is coming up here next. The man from Homer is going to help us do our thing here. He's going to give us some uplift, give us some insight, talk to us about the holy war that is politics these days. We'll continue in just a moment with the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free Thinking Radio. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, Chris Story will be joining us in a hot second. Somebody just called in, though. I don't know if it was the same caller or not, but let's go check it out. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Michael. This is Katie from Kodiak. Hey, Katie from Kodiak. What's on your mind? I was going to ask you a quick question. So if we, if the CONCON passes mm-hmm. and we open it up mm-hmm. to changes, 
Mm-hmm. Can we get those legislative sessions moved to the road system? That is something that could be put into the constitutional into the Constitution. Yes, it could be. There could be a mandate to hold the legislative sessions themselves, not move the Capitol, but put the legislative systems themselves on the road system. Yes, that could be something that could be uh, put into the Constitution through the CONCON. Excellent selling point. I love it. I'm glad I voted to uh, move forward with it. <laughs> I'm glad you did too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you, have you talked with? I mean, what about people you know? Have, have anybody else talked about the ConCon amongst the people that you talk about politics with? Ah, uh, you know, I'm a really private person, and I try to keep politics out of conversations just because of how toxic it can turn. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, Looking forward to draining the swamp. I voted for Heath Smith. I voted for Ben Vincent. Hoping to get some new representatives here. That'd be nice to get some new blood in Kodiak, that's for sure. All right. Well, Katie, thank you so much for calling in and sharing with us. We appreciate uh, hearing from you today. You take care, Michael. All right, thanks. Okay. Um, let uh, Let me get Chris Story on the line here, shall we? Let's, uh... Let's get him wound up, get him ready to go. Mm, yeah. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Wonderful. I was just waiting for you to finish up with Katie and give you a buzz, but here you are. I know. You know, I just, I didn't, I couldn't think of anything else to talk about in the next 25 seconds, so I figured I'd just call you. <laughs> right. My, my brain is not firing on all the cylinders, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's all good. Um, so more are you, coffee. Uh, yeah, more coffee. Um, more chicken soup at this point, I think. More broth. If I could find a decent hot and sour soup in this town, I would be doing that. I'd be mainlining that right now. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you all ready to give us the give us the word here to give us to give us an sure. uplift? What are we what are what are, what are we talking about today? Well, I'll just follow your lead. You let's pretend that well. See, I was going to say let's pretend we're dancing, but then people in your chat room are going to start saying things that are just inappropriate, so I'm going to leave it go. I'll just follow your lead. That's that? that's weird. I mean, that's weird, man. We could do some dancing. I mean, twerking. We could do it all. <laughs> uh, See, now you just, damn it. Damn it. I opened the door damn it. You, you had right to, through. You had to make it weird. Yeah. You had to make it weird. You had to go Miley Cyrus on me. I know. Um, so yesterday I uh, was texting Chris from my sickbed, um, and I texted him and said, that I wanted to kind of talk about uh, um, Rob Myers made a comment the other day and uh, I mean I think it should be a t-shirt and it said basically said politics is the new religion that's why all the elections look like holy wars and so I kind of gave that to Chris as kind of an idea to shape around him he doesn't have to put it in that necessarily that kind of combative verbiage but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that kind of thought um, okay, let's talk about it and uh, see what you, see what you have to say, and then if you want to uplift us after that, that's fine with me. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to do that as well. Or if you want to work some uplift into it, depending on how long you got, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But no, no, <clears throat> I'm dragging. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear you're not feeling well. It's too bad, man. <clears throat> I never get sick, and uh, this just dropped me in the dirt. So it's not the Rona, apparently, but uh, it uh, it feels like it, uh, or what mm-hmm. it's supposed to feel like. So anyway. All right. Um, 
Duke's making it weird. Yep, that's me. I'm here to make it weird. That's my whole job. Keep it weird. Uh, you'll you'll remember. You'll remember for sure. All right. Um, the flu bug going around. It's at least a 13 day flu. Oh, fantastic! Thanks, Chris, for that uh, heads up. Chris, just in the chat. A little piece of optimism. I mean, that's it. It'll be only be 13 days. Don't worry. You've only got 12 days left. Um, all right, we're going to jump back into it. Here we go. Chris Story, our guest, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, Free Thicket Radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow, do the youtube things. Let's go. All right, uh, we're continuing now. It is Tuesday, and normally we have Chris Story come in and give us our weekly life coaching lesson, update PMA guru that he is. Um, I asked him to, um, I asked him to give me some analysis or give me his thoughts, I guess, on a comment that Rob Myers made in the chat room the other day that we were talking about. Um, you know how people just get so how it's so divisive and politics and yada yada. And Rob said. You know, politics is the new religion. That's why all the elections look like holy wars. And so I wanted to get Chris's take on that. And then <clears throat> he could then uh, then he could try and pick us up after that. After he you know, helps tear us down, we could go on there and see what's going on. Um, all right. So uh, let's uh, let's bring Chris Story on. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Michael. I'm I'm here to lift you up. I'll be the chicken soup for your soul. Wait a minute. Write that down. Is that already taken? I know. Is somebody might... doing that already? No, I mean, that's it right there. Chicken soup I'm for my trademark soul. That. I know you I should. That would be good. Something. I need that so much right now. Or what did you say? Sweet and sour soup. No, no. Hot and sour that's soup. The hot and sour oh. soup. In fact, somebody just in the chat room said, sounds like you need the delivery of soup from Pagoda. And I wish that's one of the few things I miss in Fairbanks is when I was sick and I would get sick, you know, occasionally, I would go to Pagoda immediately in North Pole and get an enormous container of hot and sour soup and just eat that. And it was, oh, so good. Yeah. Well, you have a legion of fans there. Perhaps somebody's going to go get a gallon of it and get into a vehicle in the next seven and a half to eight hours. This could be could the be proof positive that you're the number one fan. That could and be. And then you could hobble Michael. They could break be. Break his ankles. And... Exactly. I know. That's exactly what it already feels like that. I'm, I'm I'm sitting here in this chair just aching, so I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Okay, so the quote is, religion or politics is a new religion, hence why every election looks like a holy war. That's yeah, kind of, interesting. Yeah. Interesting comment, interesting analogy. I thought about that after you texted me yesterday. I thought, you know, I guess nature abhors a vacuum. So in the absence of a theology or a religion or a belief system or a faith or something that you follow or or even an adopted philosophy which with which you hold firmly to and you have grasped in your hand maybe maybe anything can and i've heard this said of of obviously climate change or liberalism and so forth it is some sort of a way if you will and it's easy to get on either side of it and start lobbying Molotov cocktails at each other uh, as a result but i think really it maybe could be summed up why elections and politics as as katie from kodiak so eloquently put during your your break that only those in the chat room heard was that politics has become very toxic and it's is it yeah. politics has become toxic or is it that we've stopped 
communicating. We don't have necessarily an art of communication such that we can, and you and I have talked about this many times, such that we can debate and still go grab uh, hot and sour soup at Pagoda. We can debate on an issue, we can disagree on an issue, uh, and still remain Americans, Americans, we're on this side. Hey, we're on the same side of the fence, right. but we can have a disagreement. Uh, but yeah, it does seem that it's incredibly toxic. It's just easier to avoid the certain social settings and, and other areas, uh, just avoid it altogether because ah, it's so toxic. And I have to say, extreme right or extreme left, same, same ugly bird. But here's what I would proffer out there to everybody who's a little disheartened. You have an opportunity today to make a difference. Everything you've posted, all of our little memes, all of our jabs that this candidate or that matter not, but today matters. You have an opportunity today to actually make a difference. And I think part of social media is the construct of social media has given us an illusion of influence. We have an illusion that we somehow every thought we've got, every momentary uh, lapse of reason should be cemented and codified in writing and shared with everybody we know such that our we have to say something because it matters eh, not really but what we do today matters and the influence you have today is really what you have firmly within your grasp you know it's not i mean it really has become kind of like a fervent belief system right i mean it's the zealotry and you, like you said it could have been climate change it could have been whatever but politics is really the prevalent one these days um and what it takes is it takes for people who won't react in that way right i mean it's on us to be able to talk to people and have conversations with them about politics. And even when they say something that we don't agree with, we need to be able to have a conversation about, you know, why they believe that way. And if they can't be convinced or, you know, in a gentle way, that at some point you just have to go, you know, hey, we agree to disagree. Um, and this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. I was reading over the weekend, Michael, I was reading the book that my, my grandfather had left in his, his uh, library, which I inherited. And it's called The Art of Communication. I think, or the, the art and skill of communicating and talking with others, it's written in 1954. And it talks about how to discuss politics with your friends and neighbors. And so this is nothing new. I think we have the, the heightened sense of vitriol and anger and toxicity because we have social media, which is there to engage and enrage and to constantly fester at the wound and never let you forget how polar opposite people are and the anger with which people reacted to Donald Trump. I was too busy watching what he was doing to hear what he was saying or tweeting. And right. what he was doing was getting things done for America and the rest of the country, creating uh, the rest of the world, creating a, a for the first time in, in many, many years, a, a sense of global security that we hadn't known in, in a long time. And that all mattered to me far more than than a midnight tweet or uh, perhaps a brash way with which he handled uh, a reporter. Right. Which I actually enjoyed. But that's just me. That was my I like this style of politics. But that does that mean that you can't do business with me? Does that mean I'm not welcoming your your business? And I think, again, social media ramped up to a point where 
we well, we were just watching Tiffany and I were just watching Tucker Carlson last night, which I enjoyed his his uh, monologues. And he he posts a picture, of course, up to his upper left shoulder is a picture of Joe Biden screaming, you know. And so that's there, sort of frozen with this like ah scream face, right, and then right. a little bit later, it's him in his sunglasses eating an ice cream cone, like in, you know the adulated, you know narrative well that he is and and we love that you know it's like oh that feels good now you go switch over to cnn msnbc cbs any of those cnn they're gonna have a picture of donald trump with his hair as orange as possible looking very demonic and like with an evil face and anyway we, both sides we do this we we scratch the itch but the reality is we're americans and god forbid something should happen uh pearl harbor an actual Pearl Harbor, by the way, not not January 6th, but I'm talking about actual Pearl Harbor, actual 9-11. Something should happen. You would find suddenly, once again, the reunification of Americans, because that's who we are. And we are each other's uh, brothers, sisters, keepers. We will have each other's back when the, when the ships are really down. Uh, but the reality is, in the meantime, yeah, it does appear that there's an incredible amount of infighting and this, quote, holy war, as your, your listener said. Could could sure look that way, especially through the you know through the lens of social media, right? And or the major mainstream media, <laughs> right? Like Sarah Palin said, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Michael, but you're not feeling well, so just sit back and relax. Um, <laughs> Sarah Palin said on Newsmax the other day, oh, she's not getting why the reporter said, why are you here in New York when when you're facing an election in Alaska in like four days? And she said, well, I can't get a fair shake up there. The media just ignores me altogether. It's like, excuse me. What an inflaming uh, comment. What a outrageous comment. I, You and I both have talked about this over the years. That she's impossible to get as a guest. Right. For years on my radio show, I attempted to reach out to her. Nothing. Nary a word. Nothing. And uh, so, you know, rather than get angry about that, I just laughed. I said, well, that's hilarious. I mean, that's just, if, if you wanted some evidence that she was looking for national relevance, there it is. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, you know how hard we've worked to try and get her on the program here. I know you've tried to get her on your program yes. there. And this argument that somehow we're ignoring her uh, is just it's just false. But um, Deshaina in the chat room says uh, somehow we've moved from listening and potentially agreeing to disagree to either outright avoidance or only talking to someone to convince someone that we are right. So in your mind, Chris Story, what I mean, what do we need to do? How do we how do we get back to that being able to have a congenial conversation with somebody who we know is going to disagree with us, but we're not you know, we don't want to put them in a verbal headlock all the time and, and give them a noogie or something. You know, we want to we want to uh, you know, we want to be able to agree to disagree. How do we how do we do that? One of my favorite quotes, and I use it often from Mother Teresa, is it's hard to hate up close. When when you're in person, either on the phone, like you and I are right now, or you're actually literally in person with somebody at coffee or lunch or breakfast, dinner, and or in the post office or at the grocery store, and you're actually having a conversation, that's the opportunity, I think, to practice the skills with which we talk about here. That's being listening to be uh, to understand before you're understood taking some of these basic principles of just communication or the art of being a decent human being and practicing it in person. We say things to each other online we'd almost never say in person. And I think that's probably the answer is to just simply 
the relevance of social media started with sharing. I remember in 2008, I got a, a friend, and I'm using air quotes, Michael, but you can't see it, air quotes, <laughs> saying a friend request from a guy I sold a piece of property for. No, I guess it was late 2007, something like that. Uh, I sold a piece of property for him. He was an airline pilot, and, and he, he sends me this email, and it says something about Facebook. I I didn't even know what it was, but I clicked on it, and thought, oh, that's interesting, and and uh, joined and started posting a picture of myself or the family and started connecting with friends and people I hadn't talked to in maybe 25 or 30 years. But it was pretty cool. And then now, of course, we know what it is. We know exactly what right. it is. And it's a, it's a, it's a cesspool. It's like opening uh, your sewer and taking a big, deep breath sometimes. But then again, it can also be a place to share light, enlightenment, family fun it can be all of those things it depends on what you go to look for and i think right. it's the same to really answer the question from a from a place of sincerity and just being really brief i would say take somebody to lunch that you disagree with and uh, i bet you anything you're not going to call each other names and slap each other across the face you're probably just going to sit there and agree to disagree or maybe even influence one another if you literally go to listen and be as diane sawyer said wake up curious every day i think it's interesting because um you know uh, there's an old the saying that i came up with early on was the anonymity of the internet makes cowards bold right i mean we see a lot mm -hmm. of bullying we see a lot of rudeness things that yeah. people would never say to somebody face to face they feel Correct. obligated to put out on social media but now we're starting to see some of that behavior carry over into in-person reactions and i think that is the in groups in yeah groups. in groups in groups not, not one on one yeah yourself. yeah right. probably not one on one but in groups for sure um, we just need to find a way to, again, to come back to that point to where we can agree to disagree and find something yeah. that we have in common. And what's your philosophy? If you do not have a, a religion or a faith that you subscribe to, um, what is your philosophy? And if you do have a religion and a, and a faith that you subscribe to, how can your personal philosophy meld in with it and really think about it? I'm reading, um, I've been reading it over the course of eight months since I got the book, but I, it's not one that I just sit down and and uh, read cover to cover. It's called The Unknown Craftsman. <clears throat> and it's by a Japanese artist who's talking about the anonymity of craft, which is the highest form of art, in his opinion. And he talks about uh, the Raku Potters, which is really what got me interested in the book, about Wabi Sabi, perfectly imperfect, the acceptance of imperfection, not that you're seeking it, and those who seek imperfection as a way, it's very obvious, it's insincere, it's clear, it's abundantly obvious. Oh, you were attempting to, to do, no, but when, when born of life, which is obviously going to be imperfect in every walk of life, no matter how good it looks online, accept those perfect imperfections, that is life. And seeking right. to be relevant through what you come to give you can't help but get and that includes positive attention from people you want whether it be online or in real life chris story uh i love homer alaska.com the man from homer uh do you have an uplift for us or do you can you stay or do you want it was that it for today? yeah absolutely no no i want to talk about uh becoming the tallest tree you can i was thinking about jim Rohn a lot this morning before we got on the line becoming the tallest tree i'm all okay i'm Dude, I'm way too, my brain not working on that right now. Okay, we're going to be back then. We're going to jump. We're going to continue with Chris' story here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. 
make sure you uh, you also write down. You can come out and join us on Facebook if you want during the break. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you want to be part of the chat room there and hang out with us there as well. Back with more on Chris Story right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Michael Duke Show. Okay, we're in the break right now. Um, <laughs> Harold is always such a ray of sunshine. Is there a coherent sentence in this segment? No, Harold, there's not. There's not a single coherent <laughs> sentence in this segment. And you know what? I don't care. It's all fine. Uh, Timothy says, I think the issue is a war of ideologies that are incompatible. One is working hard to destroy the system and replace it. The other is a return to the Constitution. Now, while I agree that it is kind of a war of ideologies, the thing is, how how do we fight that war? Do we fight it by screaming the loudest? Do we fight it through, you know, winning? Do we fight it through hearts and minds? I mean... I would much rather work with people, especially, I mean, you know, let's face it, sometimes it's like the gun issue, and it's like I talk about on on Fridays, is that you're probably never going to convince a virulently anti-gun person that you're right on guns. But if there are people who are undecided, who are in the middle, and there's a lot of people who are in the political spectrum that are kind of in the middle, they're, they don't believe one way or the other, uh, or they don't subscribe to, to one party's belief or another – those might be the people that you want to do it. And do you want to get their attention by shouting the most and being the most vitriolic? Or do you want to agree to disagree and maybe win hearts and minds? I think that's – I really think that's what it comes down to, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, Michael. I can't uh, can't disagree with what you just said. And I'm still thinking about trying to create a coherent sentence. Uh, <clears throat> Grammatically speaking, was that a complete now, sentence? Me, I mean, I'm. Curious. I don't. I don't honestly know. Question mark. Um, but I think basically, you know, what if it's not a war at all? What if it's actually just shades of gray, maybe fifty shades? But what if it? What if it really is just uh, just shades? It's uh, who is it? George Patton, I think. General Patton just said, "There's no. I never met an atheist in a foxhole." <laughs> and so, right. you know, we're basically, I think, all you know of a of a similar mindset here in America, not all of us, but I mean, you know, we have, we have a, maybe just a different version of what we think the constitution was. And when somebody hears, oh, let's go back to the, the original founding days, they think, oh, you want to reinstitute slavery? Nope. It said right in the constitution, a more perfect union, just like uh, Lincoln was willing to allow slavery to continue if it could end the war, but it was going to have a cap of 50 years. If, if he could end the civil war, he would have sacrificed his notion to stop slavery and say, look, we'll, we'll end it in 50 years. Can we just stop the civil war? Um, but of course the South wouldn't. And so, hence we, we freed the slaves earlier than what he would have otherwise capitulated for. Right, right, right. No, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I get, you know, I get, uh, I, I have purged my Facebook, um, of, most anything that has to do with politics. In fact, if I'm on my Facebook and I see something that is political in nature, I 
I don't know, whatever you do, you block it or unfollow it or this is not for me or whatever. And um, it's it's gotten a lot better. But even still, even with that, uh, doing that all the time, things still slip in. And it's it's exhausting. It really is exhausting for people. And I can see why people just kind of throw their hands up in the air and walk away and go, I'm not doing anything, anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting on Instagram, which I joined a few years ago, uh, just for just for following potters. And that's that's all I've ever done is follow people that make art or pottery. And so when I go there, it's like every maybe 99th post. And I don't go there very often, maybe once a week or once a month. Uh, but maybe every 99th post would be something that an artist is making a political statement. But really rare. It's mostly just literally what I go to look for. And I just put those goggles on specifically for that. Um, and I think the same could be said of, of almost any social media, but it still begs the question, are we in a war? Uh, 10 years ago, or maybe 11 years ago, a caller to my radio show said a civil war is coming. And I thought, oh, this guy's crazy. Oh, well, then comes 2020. And hmm. uh, of course, everybody who's on the opposite side of the coin thought the same thing in 2016 when that right. election was stolen and blah, blah, blah. So it's just a, just a matter, I think, just reminding each other we're friends, we're neighbors, we're Americans, we're on the same side. Let's disagree. Let's agree. Let's let's vote and uh, let's you know try to, as Katie said, drain the swamp. It's interesting. Uh, you know, some people have. Uh, you know, you were you were talking about. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus, my brain just totally dropped the thought. Um, you like that, Harold? <laughs> I know. I just. I was totally. I was about to make some kind of brilliant political uh, um, uh, assertion and that, and that yeah. now it's all gone. I can't even remember it, what it was now. Um, oh, civil, civil war. Um, somebody said, you know, that this is the, that we actually are in a civil war, but it's an uncivil civil war. It's like, you know, it's not bullets mm-hmm. and guns. It's the civility is lost. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the fight that we're fighting right now. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, we are kind of in this uncivil yeah. civil war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. <sighs> All right. Well, you said it's a good point, but I don't believe you. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go here. Jump back into it. Chris Story is our guest, the Michael Duke Show, uh, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Like it, share, like it, share. Here we go. Okay, one final segment. Chris Dory stuck with us. He was kind. He was being very kind um, to hang out with us. And now that he's given us his analysis of the whole idea of a bloody battle and a holy jihad in the election season, now he's going to uplift us and tell us how to be the tallest tree. This is how we be the tallest tree. Give me the, uh, that sounded really cool, but uh, tell me about it here, Chris. What, what are we talking about? So I, I was reading in, and uh, it's what I, I, do, I like to consider the three R's in my life. I, I read, run, and write every day. And uh, I know that write doesn't start with an R. But anyway, those are my three R's. And so I read every morning in my library. It's part of my morning hour of power. And I was reading this morning, uh, Jim Rohn, he wrote a collection of, of essays called Leading an Inspired Life. And so it's a great book just once in a while to pick up and, and read an essay or two. And and I read this morning a quote from Jim Rohn. He said, I sure hope things change for the better. And then he went on to say, actually, that was how I thought 
when I was broke financially and near bankrupt emotionally. I sure hope things change for the better. He, he goes on to talk about, no, you don't hope things get better. You don't hope the economy gets better. You don't hope that things around you or that the social you know, environment gets better. You have to become better. So the bottom line, two words, personal responsibility. It truly is the master key to a joyous life, to your contribution to this life, to this world, is personal responsibility. Yes, a rising tide floats all boats, but it's up to you to make sure you're in a boat, make sure that you're not on shore, make sure that you're out there in the arena, whatever it happens to be. If you get caught in a rainstorm, absent an umbrella, that's a choice. You better accept it and say, you know, I had a choice. I, I see those people with umbrellas. They chose to take one with them in case it rained. I chose not to. That's called personal responsibility. That's called growing up and saying, yeah, I'm where I'm at because of choices I've made. I don't wish the economy to get better. I'm going to become better. I'm going to grow into the tallest tree I can. Jim Rohn says, have you ever met a tree that didn't grow as tall as it could? No. It, it, a tree's going to grow as tall and as big as it can the entire time it's here. And I think that's our challenge as well. And they, well, I mean, it's true. Uh, we we've got we've got to have. And you you mentioned being ready, making those choices. It's the old adage of opportunity knocks. But if you're not ready for it to knock, then you can't take advantage of it. You've got to be ready. You've got to be there and willing and ready on the on the on the moment that opportunity knocks to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. And choose to become better. Choose to become richer, healthier, happier. These are choices. And the more able, the more choices you make to that effect, the more able you are to respond to what happens around you. If the, if the election doesn't go as you want it to today, or in 2024, the right person doesn't get into the White House, or the right person does get into the White House, and you've chosen not to take action between now and then, and suddenly, let's just predict that Trump should win in 24, goes back into the White House, and the economy get, begins to rebound, are you going to tell me, well, now that the prices are so high in real estate, I'm going to wait? I'm going to wait to invest because, wow, the prices have outpaced what I can do. Or are you going to be ready? Are you going to choose to do the things today that will help you take advantage of it tomorrow? So what we know about the real estate market, irrespective of who gets into power, it's going to do what? Go up and go down. That's what the market does, period, always. Now, there are things that can influence or do influence. There are decisions that are made, policies. We were energy independent, what, just, a, just two and a half years ago. Well, we see what the, what's happened based on the election. Okay, but what did you choose? Is this hurting you so bad that you're having to sacrifice food for fuel or make those decisions? Okay, own it. See, this is where I am. This is what I've got, and I'm going to become better so that the next cycle, the next down market's not going to catch me flat-footed. I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to make choices that allow me to take advantage of the rising tide. Wait, you're saying that we should listen from mistakes and circumstances? Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? We can't just keep and, and, we can't just keep squawking about how unfair it is and everything else. We've actually got to learn from it. Yes, and learn from history. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. I was at a conference, a speaker's conference, and I met a young guy who had become a real estate investor, and he wanted to start speaking about his success and everything. And, and so I asked him, you know, out of morbid curiosity, if that's what I do, um, I, I look, well, tell me about your life. He said, well, I was a computer programmer 
And I, I saw what was happening in the market and I just decided to take advantage of it. And uh, I, I'm buying doors, which is a phrase that annoys me, but it's buying doors all, he's buying doors all over the country. He was buying apartment buildings and collecting these apartment buildings. And I said, well, how on earth are you from California? Uh, this was in San Diego and he lived nearby. I said, how in California do you go to, uh, you know, Chautauqua, Mississippi, wherever it is you're buying these properties? How do you go look at them all? And he goes, well, I don't. I said, wait a minute, you're buying, you're investing in these properties you've never looked at. No. And I said, okay. And I started realizing, okay, this guy's got a huge risk tolerance. Um, so then I said something about well, what if there's another, you know, a downturn in the market? Are you familiar with Dave Ramsey and his philosophy? And, you know, he lost everything when the market shifted. And he goes, um, you mean in, in 08? And I said, no, uh, before that. And he goes, huh. And he looked at me completely void of any knowledge that there had been a market shift prior to 08. Like he didn't realize that, oh yeah, it happened, you mean in 99? Oh, or do you mean the one in 91? Or do you mean the one in, in 78? Or do you mean, you know, it's all through history. So you've got to know history, be prepared yourself. That's that's the real estate market, but that's every market. That's, that's your life. Are you prepared? What choices are you making? And are you going to become the best you can be while you're here? That's our challenge. Well, and to understand the risks, all the risks, not just a thumbnail, like you said, not just the 08 crisis, but every crisis that went on ahead of time and to learn. Yeah. And that's why, <clears throat> quite honestly, in my opinion, uh, depending on what you're doing, a mentor is so important. It's important to find somebody mm -hmm. who's – you're looking for somebody who's blazed a trail ahead of you and you want to find a pathfinder and then you want to follow them. Um, and, uh, and then you'll, you know, you'll be prepared. You can go on your own. There have been people that have blazed a trail on their own, but I would say it's probably more difficult. Wouldn't you? Absolutely. And, and, uh, not, I'm not encouraging you to go to ilovehomeralaska.com and buy my book, The Backyard Millionaire. But if you were to read it or listen to it as narrated by the, the, uh, the great legend, Michael Dukes, you would hear a philosophy. There's one character who acts as the mentor in the book. However, that character is made up of probably 10 people that influenced me in my life, 10 people that I knew, and then other philosophers and people that I follow and, and listen and learn from that are not even alive or never were even alive in my lifetime are, are woven into that book because I feel it's in, really in, empowering, as you just said, to have mentors in our life and, and become all you can be based on your own personal philosophy as influenced by people who've done what you wish to do, become who you wish to become. Basically, uh, mentors, I think, um, and, and leaders, I have, um, I have a couple of pastors that I look to and ask questions to all the time in my life and, and feel really blessed and fortunate to have good people that are way ahead of me on different ladders of life and all walks of life. Well, like you said, show me show me a path that somebody has taken, and I know I could take it. You know, that's the thing. You don't have to break ground on it. You can figure it out with the help of others. Um, all right, final thoughts, Chris. Uh, here on election day, ninety seconds or so. Your thoughts and 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 uh, your exhortation to the people here. I use the word exhortation. It's big. Go ahead. I like it. I I trust you. I trust you to see through. Uh, what your one of your previous callers talked about the almost like high school Twitter patients of oh my I can't believe Mark Abel's supporting me I know you will make the right choices you understand what's at stake here today and you and I both are going to be personally held accountable and responsible for our decisions that we make and irrespective of the outcome I know you and I are going to grow. We are going to go through these challenges and obstacles together as they come forward. No matter who gets elected, we got challenges. Um, 
you know, I can predict the next four years are going to look a lot like the last four years. The headlines are going to change, but the reality is you and I have to become as strong and as independent and as successful as we can in every avenue of our own life, irrespective of who gets to Juno, who gets to D.C., or who gets into the Kremlin. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Wait, are they voting on the Kremlin, too? I missed that. All right. Uh, uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska.com. His book is The Backyard Millionaire and Born to Live and The Making of Man uh, and everything else. Any updates on the books? When are we exposed to see that here, Chris? Uh, working every day, working on it every day. The uh, the Watchmen. I'm almost done. I just I've got one chapter left. I think on the Watchmen. And okay. Then I'll be uh, handing it off to the editor. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Thank you, my friend, for coming on board and helping me with the show today. I appreciate it. You kind of carried me through. Thank you, Michael. Get better. Get well. Be thinking about you. And if you need somebody to fill in, you got my number. All right. Thank I'm you. Too excited about that. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. All right, folks. That's it for today. Go out and vote. Let your voice be heard. Make sure you go out there and and rank the red. No bullet votes, except for in a handful of races like Showers and Mia Costello's. Just get the job done. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.